and welcome to Why a Book, a podcast where we discuss YA books from the 2000s in the 2010s, and this is how you do an intro. <laughs> first take, first take, only take. <laughs> After last week's. I'm Renee. <laughs> I'm Mary. And I got my short ties and a knot that I can't get them done. <laughs> Gonna have to cut them off. No. <laughs> Anyway, this week, I read The City of Ember. No, just, sorry, just City of Ember, Nova, which Renee has also read. Yes, and what do I remember? Dystopian electricity question mark? Oh, that's that's the plot of the book is the electricity question mark. (laughs) That's all I remember. And then I remember remember being really hyped about the ending and then never actually reading the sequel. So I read the sequel, but much like what happened to me when I read The Hunger Games and then Catching Fire, I read like two chapters, got bored, stopped, and never read any book from the series again. Love it. Anyway, so this is the description of City of Ember. The city of Ember was built as a last refuge for the human race. 200 years later, supplies are running low and terrifying blackouts are sweeping through the streets. It's only a matter of time before the lights go out and never come back on again. When Lena finds part of a secret message, she's sure it holds a clue that will save Ember. She enlists her friend Dune, and together they explore the long-forgotten parts of their dying city as they race to solve the mystery. If they succeed, they will have to convince everyone to follow them into danger. But if they fail, the lights will burn out and the darkness will close in forever. This straight up sounds like a Doctor Who episode. No, so this reminded me of a few different things. This reminded me of another book I started reading but stopped because it's a very difficult book to read called Off Armageddon Reef. It's like a really deep sci-fi <laughs> My brother-in-law gave it to me and... It's just, like, a really challenging book if you don't understand science that well. <laughs> or, like, have, like, a really high vocabulary. So I'm, I'm going to revisit it. I've got a PhD in science. You don't. <laughs> Damn. Okay. <laughs> so I... It also reminded me, it unlocked a core memory of something I completely forgot I had ever watched. Which was an Attack on Titan OVA. <laughs> From 2015 about Levi's backstory that oh, completely no. forgot existed. Not Levi. Oh God! Stop <laughs> simping over Levi Ackerman. I, I don't remember any like. I don't remember why. Like when I watched this, or really any part of it. But yeah, basically in that OVA, Levi was part of a criminal organization. Oh, whoa, I just gained so much respect <laughs> for this man. Yeah, so he he lived in an underground city. Yeah. That was built as like the prototype for a test or whatever to like escape the Titans on the surface that was abandoned. So mm-hmm. it became a slum. So he was born and raised there or something. Um, became a criminal and used like the, you know, the 3D maneuver gear to pull off heists. Uh, Why? God, I have to respect this man now. I know. Oh, God. As I was, like, uncovering memories and reading the summary, I was like, oh, no. This is, this is, this is the water, this is the water bottle scene for Levi. I have no choice but to respect him now. Yeah, so, um, anyway, like, eventually he gets arrested and. Oh, uh, he's an arrest record? Oh. Yeah, he gets arrested and then Erwin there. Oh, Erwin. With Armin. They're not at all the same person. I don't know. 
um, recruits him into the military because he's so good at using the 3D maneuver gear. And that's like his origin story. And, and wow. Yeah. That's such a cool origin story for a character who. You frequently get confused with Aaron. Oh, no. Well, yes. But also, I mean, granted, I never, I didn't watch far enough for him to be introduced, but I don't like his vibes from what I see online. I mean, I don't know if you can trust what you see online. I didn't watch much of this show, but... I mean, before I watched Haikyuu, I thought Suga was, like, a shady... Well, he is kind of a shady bitch, but I thought not a good shady yeah, bitch. Yeah, you thought she was horrible. I thought, yeah. So, anyway... That's wow. what this really brought back for me in a very unexpected That's, way. That's I'm so happy for Levi. Okay. <laughs> anyway, back to Ember. <laughs> so the book starts off with a with a map of this. Yes, city, I love a good map. Which importantly points out that it has greenhouses and beehives. And I have so many questions about how this city functions, like yeah. logistically and like, you know, how there, if it's just because the greenhouses mean it's receiving any sunlight, mm-hmm. so how are these crops growing? Like, how are these bees living? Like, what? Are, how is that happening? Well, Where, what's the airflow like? Back to the Doctor Who tie-in. Some bees are aliens. Okay, maybe that's how it is here. <laughs> so anyway, the prologue chapter is titled Instructions, which right, you, I remember yes. So it tells you about how when the city was built, the chief builder was like, they can't leave the city for 200 years. I'm going to leave instructions with the mayor um, for what to do after those 200 years are up. And the instructions are kept in a box with a timed lock and the box is passed from mayor to mayor until the seventh mayor got greedy, tried to open the box in secret because he had this coughing disease and he was like maybe there's a cure in there but unfortunately for him and everyone else he failed to open it lost it and then died before telling anybody what he did right so uh, this reminds me so much of something and i can't remember what there was something else too and i couldn't i couldn't put my finger on it then we cut forward 241 years it's assignment day at school and Lena Mayfleet and Dune Harrow are in their last day of school where they're awaiting the mayor to arrive and give them their work assignments, which, yes. by the way, they are 12 years old. Oh, so the giver. Yes. But it's not like the giver because the way this this one works is everyone just picks a, a slip of paper from a box at random. Mm-hmm. It's not assignments, really. Like, you're going to be this and you're going to be that because that's how yeah. that shit works. It's just like, whatever you pick, you pick. And then you just do it. And then you're going to get an evaluation to see if you're good at it or not. Yeah, because this is such a logical way to run a society. Yes. And so Lena really wants to be a messenger because they just get to run around the city and deliver messages all day and wear these cool red coats. Like, they're literally human text messages. Like, they even cost 20 cents to send. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she ends up pulling Pipeworks Laborer, which is one of the worst jobs in her opinion because it's just, like, dirty and dark and, like, hard labor. So she's upset. But Dune pulls Messenger, but he's upset because he really wanted to be an electrician's assistant or something similar to that because he wanted to figure out how the generator works. So he, like, throws his fit and he starts ranting about how there's so many blackouts and, like, everything's going to shit. And then he gets chastised by the mayor. And Lena's like, why is Dune so upset? Like, he's just taking things way too seriously again. I'm like, man... The city is going to shit. Like, <laughs> he's not wrong. Oh, boy. So then after school, Dude and Lena just trade jobs, which is a win-win for them. But, like, apparently that's a thing you can just do. Just be like, hey, have All my right. job. 
Lena and Dune used to be good friends when they were younger, but then they grew apart. But now Lena kind of hopes that they'll be friends again since he helped her out so much by, you know, giving her his job. Lena goes home. She lives in Quilliam Square, which I kept reading as Squilliam throughout the whole book. Where she lives with her grandmother and baby sister Poppy. Baby, she's two years old. Her grandmother ran a yarn shop, but it's currently in a major disarray because, like, her grandmother's mind is kind of slipping. She's super old at this point. My mind is slipping because I was like, Poppy, (laughs) like the baby in the Scarlet Letter. I was like, no, that baby's name is Pearl. (laughs) Well... Yeah, anyway. we got one letter, right? <laughs> anyway. Um, Lena's parents died two years ago. Um, her dad just before Poppy was born and then her mom right after. The next day she goes to work, which apparently they already know that she and Dune switched jobs. Obviously. Despite not informing anybody about this because they're already expecting her and aren't surprised at all to see her. The captain gives her a special, her special own red jacket and then tells her the rules of being a messenger, which are number one. When a customer gives you a message, repeat it back so you have it right. Number two, always wear your red jacket so people identify you. Three, go as fast as possible because they're going to pay you 20 cents for every message no matter how far you have to go. And number four, deliver a message only to the person it's meant for and nobody else. Mm -hmm. So she goes out to start work and encounters some believers which are oh. some kind of religious cult she doesn't oh, I love a religious cult. But they seem benign, so she's not worried about it. They always seem <laughs> benign. They're trying to kill everyone. Spoilers, they don't try to kill anybody. She ends up getting a message for the mayor that day, so she goes to the gathering hall to find him. One of the guards asks for her message, but she's like, can't tell you, I can only tell the mayor. You know, rule number four. So she's just left waiting. That's also rule number four, fight club. (laughs) I can only give the message to the person that's intended. The message is punch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She So she's left just like waiting around while somebody goes against the mayor. And she starts browsing this book called The Book of the City of Ember, which has stuff in it like the builders filled the storerooms at the beginning of time to ensure citizens would always have enough. And the gathering hall clock measures the hours of day and night. So everyone knows when to go to school and work. And the light director knows when to turn the lights on and off. Which apparently there's been a few incidents in the past with bad timekeepers who didn't wind the clocks, which led to oh amateurs mistakes in timing. But this also made me think. So this has been 241 years. Like canned food does go bad eventually. Twinkies don't. <laughs> like the inside of it. There was I had a middle school teacher. I only had him for one class, but he was my brother's homeroom. Um, who one of the older teachers found. A can of spaghetti. Oh god, you told me about this before. <laughs> in her desk from like 1992. <laughs> and uh, so she was like, I'm gonna throw this out. But then my brother's teacher, who was like, he was like the funny teacher on our wing, was like, mm-hmm. I wanna try them. Oh no. <laughs> so he opened the can and he tra- he tasted a bite and it tasted straight up like metal. Oh. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he's sur- like he suffered no consequences. Like, yeah, so ugh. Yeah. Don't do it. Uncomfortable. Don't do it. Anyway, she just gets really bored, so she's like, I'm gonna go exploring, and ends up climbing onto the roof. Yeah, obviously. Which causes a crowd to gather, and a subsequent ruckus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she's like, whoa, I'm on the roof, and everyone sees me, but then she gets yanked back inside by some guards, who proceed to yell at her, and are like, curiosity leads to trouble. 
And then the mayor shows up and the guard is like, hey, should we throw her into the prison room for a couple days? And she's like, no, I just have a message. So she gives the mayor the message and he's like, no, it's just child mischief. Like, let her go. Okay. Meanwhile, Dune had his first day at Pipeworks. He was given some boots and then he was passed off to this girl, Arlen. Arlen Frawl. These all sound like new millennial parents naming their children unique names. Yes. So she's training him. Um, and by that, it, she, he's just like following her around and she's telling him not that important information. Great. So down in Pipeworks, there's a huge river and Arlen brings him to the beginning of it and then shows the door to the generator room. And he's like, hey, can we go inside? And she's like, absolutely not. You need special permission. Like, don't even think about it. They do some work. Just thinking about it. <laughs> just, I'm just thinking about it. I'm not, not going to do it. <laughs> They do some work or whatever, and then she abandons him at lunch and is like, stay here and don't move, which obviously he doesn't do. Yeah. And he goes to the generator room, and he sneaks in when someone else is leaving, and he tries to talk to some workers in there, but it's really loud. So then he just tries to figure out, like, how maybe I can figure out how the generator works just by watching it in action, which apparently he's had a knack for figuring out how machines work oh, or whatever his casual. whole life. Because he just studies things. But uh, this is the first thing. He has no idea how it functions. Eventually, he gets to talking to this old man who just tells him that the river makes it go. But it's just started breaking down a lot this year. He also tells Dune that they'll probably run out of light bulbs before the generator breaks down completely anyway. So, like, you know. That's fine. That's fine. Dune goes home and he thinks about how he wants to be the one to fix the generator and save the city. And he's even thought about the ceremony that they'd have for him in City Square. And, like, his dad would be there in the front row and he'd be famous and whatever. We're not gonna <laughs> This whole, like, speech that he has with himself just gave me weird, like, Naruto, I want to be the Hokage vibes. But in a oh. very, very, very selfish way. <laughs> Because throughout the whole book, book, dude is like, I want to be the one to save everybody. I want to be the first one to leave Ember. Like, it's going to be me. Oh, my God. Sasuke. Um, (laughs) French Sasuke. Look up French Sasuke. French Sasuke. MVP. (laughs) It makes me laugh every time. So Dune tells his dad about his bad day and his dad is like, you'll be fine. Like, you're a smart boy. Just like pay attention to what everyone else doesn't notice. Dune has also been keeping a worm in a box in his room <laughs> to study it for a few days. He's always been like what, studying. What size worm are we talking about? Is this like a, 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 a toji? <laughs> like um, pet worm deal? No, it's a caterpillar really. Uh, but he doesn't know what a caterpillar is. Oh, so it's not like just chillin'. No, it's not a large worm that eats curses. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> Spoilers, Dune was Toji. That's Dune. <laughs> this is this is Toji's backstory. <laughs> um <laughs> So he's like kept bugs before he just studies them, but typically they'll just die in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. But this is the first one that survived for five days and it's Whoa. even gotten bigger. So he's very excited. Wow. Several weeks pass and Alina returns home one day to find her grandmother just tearing their apartment apart, like just ripping up oh. the sofa and whatever. And she's searching for something and she can't remember what it is, just that something is lost and that's very important. And Lena's like, okay, but like, where's the baby? (laughs) And her grandmother's like, what baby? And then she's like, oh yeah, like she's down in the shop. So Lena's like, 
What? The baby can't be left alone in the shop by itself. So she runs down. Poppy's fine. Um, but Lena's worried because, like, her grandmother has been forgetting stuff, but, like, she's never forgotten about Poppy before. Yeah. So when she gets back upstairs, her grandmother's sad because she didn't find the thing she was looking for. But she tells Lena that it was something that she heard her grandfather, who was the seventh mayor, talk about before he died. I wonder what that thing is. Um, If I had to guess, it would be blueprints for solar energy. I think it's an iTunes gift card. Oh, my God. <laughs> That damn with like the fun little silhouette. Oh yeah, there's the pink one, you know. Oh, that's a good one. Maybe. Oh, but if it's Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Ooh, blue eyes, white dragon. I think so. Wow. (laughs) So at work that day, um, she had been given a message to bring to Clary at the greenhouse, which is on the outskirts of town near the trash heaps. Um, there's a new job in Enver called a trash sifter, which just means you comb through the garbage to see if there's anything salvageable. Because she, Lena's like, I wonder if we're running out of things. I'm like, do you really think they would be having to sift through the garbage if they had everything they needed? Like, hey, some hipsters in Brooklyn do that for fun. It's true. <laughs> um, anyway, Clary is a family friend because Lena's dad used to work in the greenhouse, you know, before he died. And uh, Lena tells her that some guy named Arbin Swin. What? Arbin Swin. That sounds like somebody's, like, uh, I don't even. <laughs> it's not a real name. I don't even know. It's like somebody forgot that what Arby's was. It's like me trying to say Arby's <laughs> and I just fuck up. It's like she, I feel like she just did like key smashes for some of these names. <laughs> Um, Anyway, so Arbin requests two extra crates of potatoes and two crates of cabbages. Cabbages. Clary can give him the cabbages, but she can't give him the potatoes because there's a potato blight. Oh, no. Big Ireland vibes. Oh, God. Not a good time. No, that's how how we ended up here. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't be here. We would not be here if the potatoes didn't die in Ireland. (laughs) So um, while they're talking, they start hearing a noise and Clary sends her away. She's like, oh, she seems to know what it is. And she's like, Lena, just go away. But Lena's like... I want to see what goes on. So she just hides behind a tool shed to watch uh, what happens. And a man runs out from the direction of the trash heaps. It's this guy named Sag. No. (laughs) Who'd gone into the unknown regions to see what was out there. But he ran back in fear after encountering only darkness. And Lena's like, if only we had a light you could carry with you because Ember doesn't have flashlights. And then she says that if someone had lit the like. Previously, somebody had lit the end of a a stick on an electric burner, but the torch had gone out before he'd managed to get even to the trash heaps. And then another woman had tried the same thing and managed to get partly into the unknown regions, but failed to get very far because her torch went out. Like, people just straight up have not figured out how fire works. Like, that's one of the first things that society figures out is how fire works. Not these people. Um, like, they have electricity, but no one, like, has built, like, an oil well, lamp or, like, a candle. Mary, they don't have Jeff there to give them flint for fire. <laughs> but they don't need the flint to start the fire. They just, they haven't thought, like, oh, this stick is running out. I could light another stick. No, no, no. 
Like, obviously not. This is one of the biggest fucking plot holes. I'm like, the most basic of societies, the most primitive of societes, know how, how to, to start a fire and sustain maintain. a fire. If the people on Survivor can do it, y'all can well, do it. Well, especially because, like, spoilers for the end of the book, they end up finding candles. Like, why did they not just give them more candles? Like, I don't that's, understand. That's a huge... Like, There's no reason for them not to. Like, what? It doesn't make uh, any sense. It's like that meme that's... It's like city city of embers. City of embers if someone knew what fire was. <laughs> yeah. Literally. It's literally that. So, anyway. Lena goes home, and later that week, she goes out shopping with Poppy. I'm picturing Lena Dunham. It's not spelled the same. I know, but that's what I'm picturing. Well, she's also 12. <laughs> Lena Dunham might be 12. She's definitely not. No. Uh, so, anyway, she goes out shopping with Poppy, but she gets distracted looking at colored pencils that this guy Looper is selling for $5. Sorry. His name is Looper. Let's just move on. Looper? Looper? Please spell it for me. Like Looper, like the word Looper. Like L O O P E R. I was picturing Rupert with an L. <laughs> no. Rupert Clint. <laughs> no. Okay. Looper. Okay. He's selling colored pencils for $5 a pencil. And she's like, Bargain. This is a big luxury, but like, I really want it. Um, she loses track of Poppy because she's so wrapped up <sighs> this in this. Baby should be dead thing. by now. Truly. Um, and it's especially bad because a blackout hits. So it's pitch black. And Someone's going to step on this baby. Yeah. And Lena's running around like, where's, have you seen a baby in a green jacket? And everyone's like, how can I see a baby in a green jacket? I can't see anything. And then the lights come back on. And they're like, did you see a baby in a green jacket? And they're like, no, it was dark. She's like, no, she went missing before the blackout. And they're like, well, you should keep a better eye on her. Oh my god. <laughs> and then eventually someone tells her that she went into this nearby shop, which turns out it's Dune's family's shop. And they're like, oh, it's a good thing. Like, Dune's a good kid. Like, you got lucky, <laughs> basically, that he found your baby sister. That, so that blackout lasted seven minutes, which is twice as long as any other blackout they've had so far. And the city has a... This is something that's was very confusing for me. The city has a town meeting. They specifically say town meeting. The city of Ember has a town meeting. Is the is city of Ember a town? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a hamlet. Oh, then it would be a town. It would be a, a, a village meeting. The township of Ember. Uh, so um, anyway they're having this meeting to hear the mayor speak and basically the mayor's like everything's fine we've got it under control and then Lena almost gets trampled but she ends up fine Dune and his father avoid the crowd entirely and, and Dune's like if he really has a solution like he would have told us like this guy's full of crap when Lena gets home her grandmother's really excited because she finally found the thing she'd been looking for which was a shiny little box. It's empty now, but Lena saved some scraps of paper from Poppy, who'd been chewing on it. And so it's all messed up. So she like tries to like put it together in a logical way, and she brings it to her captain at work, who's like, just ignore it. Like, I'm sure it's nothing important. Like, it looks like a recipe. Like, just forget about it. Oh, recipes are important. And then she tries to recruit Lena into the believers. <laughs> Um, who believe that the builders are going to come back and help them. That's the whole thing. 
that they believe in. And like, that's all you really care about the believers for. So <laughs> Lena decides to write a letter to the mayor about it. So she leaves a note on the guard's desk on her way to work the next day, but she doesn't hear back from the mayor. So she just tries to start, you know, deciphering the message herself and discovers that there's probably something important in Pipeworks. So she goes to find Dune and see if he can help her. And uh, Dune's been spending his time in Pipeworks by exploring. Like, he's figured out how to do his work really fast and then just spends the rest of his shift, like, looking around. He's also started collecting weird bugs, which has given him the nickname of Bug Boy by his co-workers. He's making no friends at work, which is not Oh, he's made bug friends. It's like, um... He's made no human friends. Okay. Um, he doesn't find anything useful in Pipeworks, so um, he uh, decides to go to the library Ooh. to look up fire. What? Sorry, he... They, they, they know of fire? So, yes, they wrote a book about it. Wow. So, fire is rare in Ember. Even though it's named Ember, they named the whole fucking city... After, like, a fire, and uh, it's rare, and it only happens by accident, like, if something goes wrong and there's, like, a house fire. And uh, the book he finds about it has no useful information, so he, you know, he's about to leave, but then Lena finds him in the library and brings him home so she can show him the paper she found. So they go into her room, and he comments on her drawings that she has on her walls, that she draws, like, this imaginary city, and she's all embarrassed. He's like, no, it's cool. I draw bugs sometimes. (laughs) This is, like, the most 12-year-old interaction they have. It's really, like, don't look at my embarrassing drawings. He's like, no, it's cool. I draw bugs. So she shows him the paper, and he agrees that it's important, and he figures that part of it might be referring to this door he found in Pipeworks the other day, um, with the rest of it possibly being the directions of how to find that door. He assumed that it was a storage closet, but now he and Lena think it might be the door to, like, someplace new. Like, maybe that's... Narnia. Maybe. Also, you know who would be the true hero of this story? Mm-hmm. Tendo from Haikyuu. He'd light a fire in three seconds flat. Okay. He's a pyromaniac, as we all know is canon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Narnia. Anyway, Narnia. So he tells Lena to come to Pikeworks at quitting time the next day. He's going to sneak her in. Yeah. So they do that. And um, there's no lamps. As we've established, because yes. no one figured that. It's been 241 years and there's been no innovation. You love to see it. Like, nobody's done anything. No. So, anyway, just like think about what life was like 241 years ago. Oh, gotta do that math. Anyway, late 1700s. We were, this country was just being established. Paul Revere was doing some crazy shit. Yeah. In his death. <laughs> Paul Revere's Midnight Ride. Anyway, <laughs> Lena follows Dune, who can, like, feel his way through the corridors because he works in Pipeworks, whatever. Um, they find the door, but it's locked. So they start to, like, feel around and see if there's anything useful nearby. But then they hear a strange scraping noise. So they're like, Ghost. We, we, like, let's get out of here for a sec. So they just, like, back away. And then they hear some, like, shuffling and then a key turning and a latch opening. So, uh, Lena thinks that they should see who it is, and Dune's like, no, we should leave before we're caught. But they decide to peek around the corner, and they see someone tall with a black cloak and untidy hair leave the room. 
Nina thinks he's familiar, but she doesn't, like, can't put her finger on it. So they leave and they try to figure out who it was and, like, what he was doing in that room. And they decide that they should just, like, wait for an announcement of what to do next. Because obviously whoever found that room that must have found the solution to a city of Ember's problems. So, you know, they're just going to come out with something cool. Or maybe it was just a storage closet the whole time and, like, nothing will happen. Yeah. So the next day, Lena finds out that the, her, her grandmother is ill. So she runs to the doctor and the doctor's like, it's just a fever. So like, just stay home, make some soup, chill out. It'll be okay. The day passes and then Lena wakes in the middle of the night to her grandmother calling her name. And her grandmother says that she had a dream about somebody's baby. Maybe it was her baby. She's not sure. Lena stays with her until her grandmother's like, no, you should go to bed. And then when Lena wakes in the morning, her grandmother died. Yep. So she spends the next day with her neighbor slash family friend, Mrs. Murdo, who promises to take care of Poppy that day because Lena you know, has to go to work. And then she says that she and Poppy will come and live with her now because they can't live alone. And then a few days later, Lena runs into her old school friend, Lizzie, who tells her that she has a boyfriend at work now. Wow. But she's like kind of acting like a little, sh- like strangely, like being a little shady. A little shifty and uh she ends up dropping her like bag and some cans of fruits and vegetables like roll out and lizzie tells lena to just like take them home with her and make some weird excuse about finding them on this back shelf at the market and they're like super rare things like peaches and cream corn so lena's suspicious and thinks like maybe lizzie stole them from work because she works the storeroom so Lena finds Lizzie the next day and confronts her about the cans. And Lizzie tells her that there's a storeroom worker named Looper who is two years older than them. And Lena knows him because she, first of all, he ran that store, right? With yeah. the colored pencils. But he, she also took a message from him on her first day of work. It was the message that she took to the mayor that day, yeah. which was something about a delivery. And Lizzie says that Looper explores the storerooms and he's found out that there's like still a little bit left of the rare stuff um, that's just like been forgotten. So Lena's upset because she knows that Looper now steals the merchandise that he sells at his store. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she's really mad. And then Lizzie offers to like bring Lena into their arrangement and get her like some cool stuff like colored paper and new shoes. Wow. But Lena's so upset that her friend is being really selfish and just like keeping everything to herself and uh, you know, not helping out everyone else in their society and declines. And then at work one day, Dune winds up back at the door, and this time the key is in the lock. So he goes inside and it's this bright room with a bunch of supplies inside, and there's also someone sleeping inside. And like he starts moving, so Dune escapes. Uh, before he get caught and he finds Lena and tells her about what he found. And he also tells her that the man who was sleeping in there, it was the mayor. Oh my God. What? Didn't and see that coming. Dune is enraged because the mayor has obviously found a solution for himself, but not for everybody else. So he thinks that they should tell everybody so that they know that the mayor is robbing them. But Lena tells him to wait. So Lena tells him about Lizzie and Looper and she says that she realizes it was Looper who came out of the room that other day and that the message she carried for him was a notification of delivery, which must have referred to that room. 
And Dune tells her that there's a hatch in the ceiling in the tunnel where that room is that goes into the storerooms, and that's how Looper gets in and out with the merchandise. Mm -hmm. So they decide to tell the guards, like the city guards, yeah, so they can investigate. And on their way there, Lena tells Dune that her grandfather, grandfather, she never had a grandfather, grandmother died, and his sincere sympathies make her realize that he's not just her friend, he's her best friend. Wow. Camaraderie. Yeah. So they tell the assistant guard, Barton Snood. <sighs> Snoke. <laughs> about the mayor stealing. And he's like, OMG, like, we need to do something about this right away. But he seems kind of suspicious as Lena and Dooley, but like she doesn't think about it too much. And then she goes to the greenhouse and she tells Clary about everything that's happened thus far. And Clary offers to look at the instructions to see if she can help. And Clary figures out that the title of the document probably reads instructions for egress, AKA instructions for how to escape the city. So after Clary leaves, Lena runs to Dune's house to update him on the title and they get to work deciphering the instructions again and they make more progress. And they take a break, and Dune suggests that if they do find the exit, they should announce it at The Singing, which is a yearly event in Ember where everyone sings the three great songs of Ember. But it's only two days this away. This place is like a fucked up Whoville. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. So the, the singing is only two days away, so they really have to hurry. So Dune finds Lena the next day at singing rehearsal and tells her that he found the stone marked with an E that was in the instructions. That was like part of it was like you have to find the stone with an E on it. And so he takes her to Pipeworks because it's empty because of the rehearsal where they find the stone, which following the instructions from that stone leads them down the riverbank into a ledge where they find a ladder. So Dune climbs down first and then Lena goes and then they go down a passage until they find a door and then they figure out they need a key, which the instructions lead them to this panel to the right of the door, find the key, open it, they go through. There's a couple boxes on the other side that contain candles and matches. Wow. And they're like, what the fuck are these things? What the fuck is brunch? They're literally, like, mystified by these objects. So, figure, like, they eventually figure out how to light the match. And they're like, oh, but, like, this is too small. It's gonna, it burns out so quickly. Like, what do we do? And they're like, maybe if we tie it, this other thing, we'll tie it to it. So, somehow, they, the wick is long enough to tie to a match. Yeah. And, but because they do that, the wick gets low. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> this candle thing. This this I is I take this back, is a mobile light. <laughs> I I take back Tendo, um, and I present the true hero this town slash city needs, Hank Green. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any YA book would be done in ten pages flat if Hank Green was a character. Hank Green could just tell them how to make a fire and. Light one torch and then light another torch. Yes. Nobody in this town has common sense. That's really the consensus. Well, Thomas Paine wasn't around. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they continue down the passage and they find a boat, which they also don't understand. They're like, what the fuck is this thing? And some boxes of supplies. And they finally piece it together that they had to take the boat to the river to escape Ember. The boat is really small, though, so they're like, how are we supposed to get everybody out on this tiny-ass boat? But then they just keep looking, and they find a bunch of more boats in another room. So 
The next day, Dune packs up for the journey, which they're going to embark on after they announce everything at the singing that afternoon. Um, and he discovers that the worm he'd been keeping has turned into a moth. Like, look at this sim- symbolism. Incredible. Wow. Yeah, really beautiful, really touching stuff. You know who else turns into a moth? Celine Bradley. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all didn't think that the moth was talking during that one scene of Full Malakwa's Brotherhood, you're a smarter person than I am. I did not. And our friend Shay. Yeah. Anyway, so Dune sets off toward the city square for the singing, but overhears some guards looking for him for starting vicious rumors. So he figures out that the guards must be in on the mayor's plot. Wow. Oh, <clears throat> no. They were in on it. Yeah. So he's like, all right, I got to go find Lena because they're going to be after her too. So he goes to her house where the guards have not yet found. Like, how do they not know where these kids live? <laughs> anyway, he finds her. She's fine. And they run to hide at the school because it's shut down for the day. Um, and they pass some flyers that are telling people to turn them in for a reward and warning them not to believe anything they say. But you know what? There are some true believers out there. There <laughs> sure are. <laughs> So Dune says that they should just leave Ember on the boat and leave a note for everybody and that everybody who believes them will find the boats and come after them. So they decide to write a letter to Clary because she's likely to believe them since she's seen the instructions and she lives near the school. So Lena takes the note and she sets off toward Clary's house, but she's soon chased by guards and she ends up getting caught and taken to the mayor. And he tells her that she's going to be taken to the prison room, but then a blackout hits. And so she runs. She makes her the roof where she could escape by jumping roof to roof. Some parkour action. Oh, I was going to go with Aladdin. Same thing. He invented parkour. Yeah. The first, the first one. So <laughs> as she's running, um, she can hear the people singing the songs of Ember. And she starts getting really emotional about leaving everything behind and tries singing away to get the message to everybody. And then she spots a dune in the darkness on his way to pipe work because he was using a candle that he took from the other day. Would you light my candle? 10,000 candles. Rent. But so she sees him running to a pipe works, but she has a new plan of her own. So she doesn't follow him. On his way, Dune leaves a quick message to his father in the gathering hall, um, explaining what he's done and like where he's going and what's going on. Cotton Eye Joe. Where did he come from? Where'd you go? Where'd he come from? Chandri and I Joe. No. <laughs> So Dune makes it to Pipeworks and he's starting to think about like what is he gonna do if Lena doesn't show up? Um, like he saw her being chased by the guards, like what what's gonna happen? Like he could do it by himself, blah blah blah. But then she does show up and she's brought Poppy. And uh Lena's basically like, I couldn't leave her behind because it's not safe in Ember any more than it's safe coming with us. Uh so she makes a little DIY papoose. Oh, I love a papoose. To carry Poppy and they make their way to the boats. So they manage to get the boat to the river and then get into the boat and they're off. They're got they're speeding down the river. It's a very strong current. I love it. Um, they make it to the end of the river and they find a pathway. So they stop and they eat dinner and they find a journal on the ground. So this is where Lena tells Dune about how she escaped the guards and like, you know, why she decided to bring Poppy with her. And that thing though is that Lena forgot to give Clary the message. Good. 
So nobody knows where the boats are. Good. So that's not good. But, you know, they'll figure something out. They're like, oh, like maybe Clary will figure it out. Like, she saw the instructions. I didn't leave the instructions with her, but she looked at them that one time. So, like, maybe she'll figure it out. But it's too late now. They, they can't go upriver because the, the current's too strong. Well, some would say when you're going downhill on a skateboard, you can't turn around and go back uphill. That's not... <laughs> like a physicist to explain that to me uh i'm sure someone will one day where's tony hawk when you need him he's not a physicist no but he is a skateboarder <laughs> rob deerdeck i want to see tony hawk do the love hug <laughs> he's done the 900 anyway uh so they start up the path and um, they see a sign that welcomes them and tells them to prepare for a several hour climb, which is not really a climb. Like they don't have to like, you know, climb. This is really perfect because what was what was going through my mind during their escape was the sound of music. I was going to climb every mountain and assuming that they're going to move to Vermont and start a bed and breakfast. It's the climb. Anyway, it was always going to be another mountain. So, yeah, they're like, you have to prepare for the seven hour climb, not seven, several hour climb. And uh, they should fill their bottles with river water, which I can only imagine is polluted at this point, but whatever. Oh, boy. So they climb again, not really climb, it's just an incline. They're walking um, <laughs> until their candles go out. They like, June's like, I can light a match. But then they realize they're not in total darkness anymore. This is very exciting. So um, they look ahead and they see an opening at the end of the passage. So they run toward it and exit into a new land. It's vast and spacious and lit with a shining silver circle hanging in an immense black sky. It's it's the moon, folks, in case you didn't put that together. Oh, my Um, God. (laughs) My ex-girlfriend. Listen, you don't have to talk about it until you're ready. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> so we have established that in our friend group buying Sokka. So this yes. <laughs> So um they're very confused about this new place since it's not at all like Ember. And so they decide to sit down on the grass, which they don't know is grass, but like this weird green, hairy stuff. And uh read that book that they found. Well, let me guess. It's great expectations. No, it's the giver. Mm, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> So it's actually the journal of one of the founding members of Ember, George Washington. So she is one of a hundred people, fifty men and fifty women over the age of sixty. Oh, I just remember um, the one hundred show on CW. No, okay. Um, I'm gonna have to Google the name of it because I forgot. Oh, just just describe it to me, and I'll try to tell you what it is. <laughs> well, let me let like, me finish, finish a thought. Yeah, so she's one of a hundred people. 50 men, 50 women over the age of 60 and 100 babies to prepare of like parents. Yeah. And they're just like randomly assigned to one another. And they're instructed to raise the children without any knowledge of the outside world. I remember the name of the show, by the way. And uh, the journal ends abruptly as the writer like leaves for Ember. And it's like implied like she was chosen against her will. Interesting. Um, to escape something. Anyway, this reminds me of Wayward Pines. 
I don't know. What? It's a TV show and also That sounds like a Twin Peaks spinoff. It's not. I don't. I haven't seen Twin Peaks. I feel like someone recommended it for me once. I feel like it sounds familiar. I feel like you would like it. Basically, the premise of it is there's this policeman who wakes up and he's in this town, Wayward Pines, and he doesn't know how he got there. And everyone's like, oh, like we're in Wayward Pines. I think it's Idaho. And... He's very confused. He can't get a phone call out. And they're like, oh, like you were in a car accident. So that, that's why your memory is a little weird. But like everything is cool here. And we were basically it's a utopian society that was built because there was like this crazy apocalyptic event. Okay. Like, I don't want to say too much without spoiling it. I think it was recommended to me because I like Twin Peaks. I think you would like it. I only saw the first one or two seasons. I've heard the book series is good, though. Anyway, if any of the listeners have seen, have read... Email us. Email us at whybookpodcast at gmail.com. The podcast is not over yet, though. (laughs) (laughs) We use use a cut. We're only ever working on the recording until we're able to smoothly (laughs) insert our plug for our social media. We didn't even do the social, we just did the email. Yet. So, um, Dune and Lena are worried that there, you know, aren't any people left on the outside, um, but they decide to start looking because, you know, there's gotta be someone around and the, you know, the sun starts to rise, which they call the fiery circle and uh, it starts to get warm. Wow. And then they encounter an animal that they don't know what it is, um, as they walk and it's carrying a squirrel. No, it's larger than a squirrel. Hmm. Probably like a Raccoon. dog or a deer or something like like a baby deer. I don't know. Okay. They don't know what it is, so they don't describe it very well. Um, and it's carrying a fruit in its mouth, which is very exciting. Um, the animal runs away, but then they find that fruit tree and they eat some of it. It's delicious. They've never had and fresh God food. Comes down and then they discover they have a breath. horrible allergy <laughs> and they all die. <laughs> no. <laughs> um they climb this hill and then they discover a tunnel and when they look into it it opens up onto ember from like a long distance so they're like oh like do you think they'll hear us if we yell and they're like no definitely not so they decide we're gonna send the message that lena never delivered to clary and uh let them know hey we got out we're cool now Find the boats, come join us. So they, you know, pack it up, tie it up in Dune's shirt, put a rock in there for good measure, and uh, just drop it through the hole. And it falls right in front of Mrs. Murdo. If it had fallen six inches farther, would have hit her on the head. She probably would have died. <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> Definitely. The, the velocity oh, of that yeah, thing? No, she, she would have been dead. I know those physics equations. But she's just like, oh, cool. Look at this thing that fell in front of me. Opens it up, and that's the end of the book. <laughs> I love a classic, it's like such a classic dystopian ending to have some unsure if others are coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, not a very good book. I remember really liking it. In middle I was obsessed with this when I first read it. Yeah, it's not a good book. It's me. not good. It's, I, I had a thought before that last thought I said that I've already forgotten what I said. Um, it reminded you of something else. I don't know if you ever discovered what that was. Yeah, I don't... I think it's just... I think it's a Doctor Who... I mean, it's a lot of Doctor Who episodes kind of combined. But, um... Hmm, what was I going to say? Well, it, it all... This isn't what I was going to say, so I'll just fuck that thought. <laughs> but also, it's like... In ways, reminds me of the... 
the ending to um, Series of Unfortunate Events, spoilers for book 13, <gasps> because it literally ends with the three main characters, one of which is a baby, the other two are teenagers. Well, mm-hmm. she's probably like a, a toddler by the time the series ends. Anyway, leaving an island on a boat to go hope that there's a society for them to be a part of somewhere hmm. and not sure. I mean, the, like their whole thing is like Count Olaf tried to wipe out all of the human race mm-hmm. with this deadly, I want to say it's like a fungus. They Something to do with a grotto with it. And anyway, the, the cure for it is horseradish, which is they knew that. So they mm-hmm. were able to protect themselves, but they don't know if anyone off the island survived. But it's like just the, the, the three of them in a boat. I was just like, yeah, series of unfortunate events. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this was not a good book. Yeah, like, I get that it's for children. Like, I'm not expecting it to be that deep, but seriously, they don't know what fire is. And, like, they try to explain it, like, oh, like, they tried to do it, but I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. It does not. Like, nothing. There, and the deficient. plot, I mean, really wasn't, like, much of a plot either. No, like, this, all of this plot could have happened in, like, a quarter of the length. Yeah. They just, like, spread it out with random fluff that doesn't really matter or add much. Mm-hmm. To the atmosphere. So. Dystopians are really hit or miss. I also discovered there's four books. I thought there were only ever three. Oh. But there's four. Yikes. And yeah, I started re- reading The People of Sparks. Yeah. And it was so boring. They even have like. The excerpt. <laughs> the excerpt. And I, I literally read two words and I was like, I don't care about what's happening. First of all, chapter one, what Torin saw. No, thank you. Like, can we just stop making up random ass names that just aren't even a thing and have no meaning? I mean, I don't know about that stance. There's an art to crafting names. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it feels like she just randomly put, like, word letters together. Like, that's a name. Sag. Yeah, they didn't, like, they didn't do a good job. Yeah. There's so, there's cases where there are good jobs. Done. Yes. But it feels like those are more intentional than, like, Sag. Arbin. No, yeah, they're definitely more intentional. Because, I mean, you look at... um, I mean, Tolkien is in a league of his own. Well, yeah. Can't... Don't even compare him. Um, But even, like, Kingkiller Chronicles, some of the names have more meaning to them. But at least they're, like, clustered. Because this happens on, like, D&D, too. But there's, like, clusters of, like, names that are, like, related to each other. But all these names, they sound made up. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. Especially when, like, the main characters have, like, somewhat normal names and they're, like... This sounds like, these sound like names that would be perfect. in the fantasy story that my friend and I wrote in fifth grade to put into perspective the main characters. They had nicknames, but the full names were Genialenia and Catechian. <laughs> that also reminded me in fifth grade, I, I was put into, like, the G&T program for, like... The D&D program? No. They like gifted. Oh, so was I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> English language arts, whatever. And they were like, "Oh, like you're gonna write your own stories." And I said, "All the main characters there were like, I think there were like five sisters, and they all had names that started with Z because they were aliens, obviously." Oh, classic. I can't remember what their names were, but just specifically, they all had to be named starting with Z, and I'm pretty sure they were key smash names too. So listen, I'm not saying above it. No, but it's a fifth grade move. Yes. <laughs> uh, any other takeaways from this? Um, 
Again, I, Hank Green. I kind of want to watch that Attack on Titan OVA. Well, we're going to watch the series. A choice with no regrets. I mean, I can't believe... For, like, God. Why do all these little things have to come up and I suddenly have to, like, respect these characters that I didn't care about? First Dobby, now Levi? What's next? I don't know who Lucy? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. So I like, so the title is A Choice of No Regrets Part 1, and then there's alternative titles. No Regrets Part 1. No Regrets. Well, no, but No Regrets Part 1, like the word one, and then No Regrets Part 1, the numeral. No Regrets. Those are two separate alternative titles. No Regrets. So yeah, we'll watch that someday. We'll watch it someday. Um, trying to think of anything else. Yeah, this is like weird Doctor Who episodes glued together um wasn't this was wow very lackluster yeah it was boring the peaches did make me think of holes but yeah like listen the food would have gone bad hey those peaches were fine everybody should have been those peaches lasted for a long time in holes 241 years maybe no no (laughs) pre-revolution grandfather was alive during the or like born hello Dulé Hill can you please confirm the time period for your for your scenes there's a part two I assume there's a part two if part one was in the title (laughs) what is part two I don't Um, did I watch part two Part two is all about why he started to hold his cups like that. What does he do? He drinks. Oh, like, I did watch part two. Like he drinks like this. Is that what he does? How does he hold his cup? Yeah, have a cup. Glass. Yeah, he holds it like this, and then he sips it like. I feel like. Just look up Levi drinking a tea. I, I feel like he's going to become a fave. You know, honestly, yeah, like the his first scene. Oh, so that when he just. He kicks the, the shit, shit out of Aaron. Out. Like, you have no choice but to respect him. Oh, gosh. And he's only 5'2". Like, come on. He... So I was... So there was the, the TikTok, like, introduce yourself thing. And I was looking at my height. I was like, oh, I can do Levi for who's the same height as me. But he's actually uh, taller than me in terms, like... Oh, centimeters you, like, wise? The, you centimeters wise. Yeah, so I couldn't include him. Wow. Yeah, that's sad. But we're almost the same height. Yeah, so I, I did Do you think I could take him in a fight? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with this. Listeners, song. weigh in in the email. Who would win in a fight? Renee or Levi Ackerman? Do I get a knife? Do I get a sword? I mean, sure. But What's his weapon of choice? Two swords. <laughs> his weapon of choice is two swords? Yeah, I mean, that's just what everybody in Attack on Titan uses. Doesn't someone use a gun? Yeah, but, like, that's how they kill the Titans. You have to have the two swords because you gotta slice a specific portion of the nape of their neck. Oh, I forgot. Did I get that? Did they know that? No, you uh, stopped watching after, like, episode two. <laughs> no! I got through the barracks training scene and then everyone died. Okay, episode four. It was literally, like... I I was so pissed off because literally one of those characters makes a comment about things being okay and I'm like don't fucking say that and then everyone dies like three seconds later and all that's left is the annoying blonde kid Armin Armin <laughs> uh, who's that babe with you? 
Anyway. That would have been episode five. See, I made it five episodes out. Yeah. And that was a part one. You just pieced out a part two. <laughs> like part one ends with them all dying. I start, then I started part two because I saw some of the aftermath with blonde kid freaking out. Yeah, and then I got really annoyed. That's part two. That's episode six. Yeah. So I watched the first five minutes. But there's a part six. three. No, there's four parts, five parts, six parts, seven parts, eight, nine parts. Is that the rest of the season? <sighs> Well, it's because it's like it's the it's all it's like, do they do it in like battle? So it's like that's it's how they kind part of that's, one battle. I'm about to say it's kind of like how Jujutsu Kaisen yeah. names their episode. You haven't watched yet. They're like they do the same naming convention oh. where it's like because it's like the womb pings one, womb pings two, whatever. Yes, okay. That someone on TikTok was just like when season two rolls around and I see an episode called Shibuya Arc Part One. It's gonna be a whole fucking season. Just Shibuya. It's a long-ass arc. I mean, that's like half the manga. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, any any other wrap-ups before social plugs? Um, um, I untied my shorts. Congratulations. Thank you. And then they were too loose, so I tied them, but not, not into a nod into a bow. I'm just going to peruse the uh, Barnes & Noble reviews. Oh, God. <laughs> just see if there's any anything. One of the best books ever. Pretty good. I hated it. I'd rather eat my vegetables than read this book. I love vegetables. This is a very bo- boring book and don't even bother reading one sentence. I don't recommend this book. You're wasting $8 on the most boring book. So boring. Did you watch the movie adaptation? There was a movie adaptation? City of Ember is it? Yes, I remember this. I forgot about it. I didn't see it. 2008 American sci-fi f- adventure film based on the 2003 novel. Searsha Ronan! Oh my god, oh, she yeah. was. This is Ronan. Wow. Yeah. Oh I, my god. Um, we should watch it now. Here's, a, here's an interesting... Produced by Tom Hanks. Okay. Here's a five-star review. Titled, no, this is not Warrior Cats for the last time. Jeez, if you want to talk about Warrior Cats, text each other or something. But how would I know? Is there more roleplay? Hater. Is there more roleplay? I don't know. Oh, now I need to go. I want to know. How's that? Let's see. City of Ember. Two bubbly porcupine. Hi there. I'm really bored. I want to talk to someone. Please reply from Island of Crazy 135. What's with Barnes & Noble reviewers? Country gal. I love the first one, but you... I'm sorry, Mary. That, you did not say a word there. That was... I love the... No, listen. I'm reading it as it's written. <laughs> I love the fruit to do one, but you hear other books in the series were disappointing. All right, so we're on the Rotten Tomatoes for the film. Tomato meter and audience score. Um, first, we'll start with the tomato meter. What do you think it is? 20%. No, it's 53%. Wow. And audience score, what do you think it is? 20%. 46%, which means based on brunches, uh, this podcast brunch, based on their Rotten Tomatoes system, it's not a good film because it's low and there's not much discrepancy. Their whole thing is like, you have to look at the, the uh, I think they, they call it like the brunch scores. Like you look at the difference between the audience and the tomato meter. And if it's like a wild difference, then it's going to be like at least entertaining. Mm-hmm. But this one, they're so close to each other. It's just overall a bad movie. Well, here's something interesting I found. Nick Cage. No. Oh. There's one one review titled Lucas uh, Y. And then the one immediately underneath it is named Logan. Long story short, one word story short. He's starting a team of killers and I'm going to stop it. <laughs> I guess that's 
it's like Lucas is responding of why? Like what? <laughs> There's a why are people RPing in the Why was Bill Murray the mayor? Nova Rose Book Club. I don't I don't like that casting. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch that movie. No. Sally Waffles by Tetcher Red. Wait, what? So this was 2008. When? Hashtag, why do you cuss? There's a bunch of kids posting. Damn. This was. (laughs) This might have been Saoirse Ronan's first film. I think it was. Because I always thought her debut was The Lovely Bones, but that was a year after. No, I'm, I'm going to cover that on no, this podcast. As soon as you said Saoirse Ronan, like a whole flood of memories came back. I'm going to cover that on this podcast. Wonderful read for tweens and teens. I just want you to know this is like for ages like 8 to 12. For You'll anyone who it. suggests for teens. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Next week we'll be getting into My Hero Academia fan fiction. One million word club girl. What? Wow. I really think that Dune and Lynn are in love. Sorry, I just think Lynn wants to kiss Dune. I didn't know Lynn was in this book. Lynn from Full Metal Alchemist? No, Lynn from Ghost Hunt. <laughs> Pickles Part 3. <gasps> wait, what the fuck? Hold on. Someone's request. They're like, where's Pickles? I can't wait for parts. Where's parts one and two? My birthday's tomorrow. Woohoo. If there's any confusion, I understand. But part four is at Pandora and Curious. Ugh, I mutter. Colin, there's fan fiction? Andy's Barnes and Noble review. <laughs> Percy Jackson and Annabeth Chase groan and get up, making sure no one died. <laughs> Ooh, Perseus Rar, as Lysia the Naiad said. No one is dead, but we're all in pain. Ow, Milo whispered, rubbing his forehead. I lay on the ground. Pickles, you all right? It's Nero. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Go away, I said. Alina looks looks hurt. Claire almost died, she whispered to Nero. Oh, that's sad, he sighed. I fell asleep on the ground. Pickles, I will destroy you and your friends. You have no chance. You must gather an army to kill me. Oh, yay. Nyx, my favorite. What do you want, Nyx? I asked. Your blood, she answered. Oh, goody. Blood and death. (laughs) Nero is shaking me when I sit up. Gods, I never knew nymphs had such terrible dreams. Gotta go. Bye. (laughs) Where is part one and two? Oh, no. Pickles. What? And then there's there are warrior cats. Are I found a bio for someone named Mature Blaze, <laughs> Mary, Ember Storm, Soaring Paw. I'm I'm in the actual RP, not just the descriptions like we were last time. Mary, you're in this RP. What's your character? Uh, Shadow. No scratches any cobwebs, right? What the? Stop RPing here. This is a place for reviewing books. (laughs) Is that you or a reviewer? That was a reviewer. (laughs) Wow. That was a nightmare. I want it. Where is the rest? What? I need to understand Barnes Noble reviews. Oh my God. So I'm looking at what crossover fanfic exists for this book. Uh Uh-huh. So there's Chronicles of Narnia. That makes sense. Undertale? Okay, that kind of makes sense. Not at all. Yeah, that's to be expected for literally anything. (laughs) Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, God, no. Host, that Stephanie Meyer book. Oh, I started that and never finished it. And Hunger Games, that's not surprising. That makes sense. All right, you ready for the description for the Howl crossover? Uh, Just just do it. It's called Exploring by Team Turnip. Uh Uh-huh. 
Dune and Lena arrive at the surface and find the world has undergone some strange changes since they have been safely tucked away. Uh-huh. There's only 845 words. What does that have to do with howl? I'm reading it. I'm just trying to find... Just trying to find Pickles Part 1 and 2. Wow. This is the shortest one-shot I've ever... <laughs> I can't... I don't know if they exist. I searched Pickles, but... Uh, 10-year-old Madeline Elena Tubiolo... There's no movie. I'm serious. Look it up. There's just a book. The person who wrote that just wanted attention and text spec. No movie. Just book. Did you know there's not a movie for this book? Mary, this fan fiction is 875, or 845 words with a author's note that's almost as long as the actual one shot. Ooh, I found someone's top fave book list. Do you want to read it? Yeah. Okay, starting at the bottom. Number eight, Gallagher Girls series. Oh, God. <laughs> Number seven, Demond of Darkhold. Don't Digimon. Know. Don't know what that is. Digimon. Number six, Prophet of Yonwood, which is the fourth book in this series. Number five, People of Sparks. Number four, City of Ember. Three, Mockingjay. Two, Catching Fire. Number one, Hunger Games. Stumbling from the entrance of the cave into the darkness had surely disappointed Lena and Dune, but the sunrise the following morning had been breathtaking. Now, however, they were in for their biggest surprise yet. Dune turned from the crevice through which they had dropped the note for Ember's salvation. Lena, however, was no longer paying attention to his motions. Even Poppy had slipped from her grasp. Dune, there's a tower, a giant black tower over there on the other side of the hill. (gasps) Scanning the surrounding greenery, Dune saw nothing. What are you talking about, Lena? There, that line of fluffy smoke in the sky, it came from the top of the tower. Lena, that's impossible. You know that buildings can't move. Wait, Lena, you can't go off by yourself, he shouted in vain. However, for Lena had already begun clambering up the hill, Poppy holding on tightly to her back. We don't know anything about this place. What about the citizens? If they come up and we're not here, they'll be lost. Calm down, Dune. Lena's voice traveled back to him. They won't get here for three hours, at least. That's... It's very generous. I don't expect them for a couple days. At mo- at least. Anyway. It's a several hour climb. Yeah. <laughs> and how will we learn about this place if we don't explore? Come on. Defeated by indisputable Lena logic, Dune jogged up the hill to catch up with Lena. Arriving at the crest of the hill, both Dune and Lena gasp. Spread before them was a swath of exotic flowers and bushes which reached as far as the eye could see, stopping only at the foot of the very hill on which the two children stood. But more astounding to Dune, there was an enormous black tower, four-sided and built of jagged rocks, and it was moving. (gasps) Dune's mind struggled with this incomprehensible fact. A gigantic building, larger than even the town hall of Ember, lazily drifted on grassy lanes between the flowers. And the flowers! Nothing like this had grown in Ember. What sort of creatures might live in such a colorful world? Dune, look! His gaze followed, following Lena's outstretched finger. Dune saw four small figures exit from a little door on the side of the tower. The old, the two oldest, one more distinctly so, she looked even older than Lena's grandmother, soon separated from a younger boy, a year or so older than me, Dune thought, and a small furry creature. The tall man seemed to be showing the old woman around the flower-filled fields. The next moment, however, Poppy shrank behind him as Lena 
stifled a gasp. The woman, as she looked around, was becoming younger. What's happening to her? asked Lena as she sank down into the grass in which Dune had already sheltered Poppy. I don't know, but it's better that they don't see us until we know more about them or their mysterious tower. Let's stay a little longer until they go back inside so we can get back to the cave undiscovered. As they watched, the woman began to walk back to the tower, becoming older as she went along until she was bent and hobbling at the little door. The tall man followed quickly after her, calling to the boy and creature. To Dune, however, there now seemed to be a trace of sadness on his features. With the stranger safely back inside their strange home, Dune turned to Lena, preparing to leave. But Lena's eyes were once again glued to the sky. This time, however, she clutched Poppy close to her chest. Feeling a shiver of fear himself, Dune turned to follow her gaze. Far above them, too high up to distinguish many details, a black mass with a decidedly human-shaped figure on it was silently rolling towards the west. The three children maintained a deathly silence until a thing had passed. Whatever it was, the thing was clearly malevolent. Rising from their grass seats, Dune led Poppy and Lena back to the cave's entrance before they could encounter any more of this world's strange oddities. I'm so confused as to why they use the book's castle description, but the plot of everything else was the movie. Well, here's the note. Hello, readers. A few notes about my story. Yes, I shamelessly mixed the book and movie for my Howl's Moving Castle references. So if you've only seen slash read one and are confused, it's not your fault. This story is not for the unprepared. discrepancies. I hope you enjoy the story. It's my first foray into writing fan fiction, so feel free to critique. For spirited debates on its merits, just click the review button. Also, the first person to correctly identify both the scene from HMC, which Dune and Lena encounter, and the mysterious darkness at the end of the story, I threw in that bit myself, but in context, it should make sense, will win 60 awesome points per correct guess. Thank you for reading. That was from Team Turnip on fanfiction.net. Wow. Published 2011. That's a bit too late. For, that's a bit too late. Oh, it's too late in the timeline of things in my mind. I mean, that's, this fits 2011 fanfiction, but I was yeah. like, this must be like 2007. <laughs> no, well, given the, when this book came out. Yeah, this is the only thing they've posted. Does it have any, and it just has two phase, four follows. It was clearly a one shot. I love when one shots get follows. Anyway, I hope you enjoy. Oh, there are two comments. Impossibly Izzy says, I like it. Never even considered a crossover between these two. It's pretty cool. Was it impossibly the Izzy? The same people who are writing interviews. <laughs> Ivy Spinners, or Ivy's pinners unclear <laughs> i'm afraid i've only read the books for each so i'm a bit confused about the hmc except that the darkness war machine is extremely creepy i can only imagine if this had been the ending when they finally came to the surface 
I just, if you hadn't read the books, the only thing that's different is she used the book's castle description. The rest is just from the movie. <laughs> I guess you could say that she made Markle into Michael from the book because he's older, but like... Yeah. Anyway, um, the reviews got turned into a downer because someone left <laughs> an <laughs> Some left an R- These reviews are not for the unprepared. <laughs> they left an R.I.P. message for their dead rabbit. Oh, no. Watership down. R.I.P. Ralph. Ralph is probably a good friend. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Cheering you up when you're down. I hope there are lots of carrots in bunny heaven. Oh, uh, wow. What an episode this turned into. Yeah. Someone <laughs> in, in the Warrior Cats RP, someone named Flowerleaf posts, he is risen. Happy Easter, everybody. Flowerleaf, the believer in Lord Jesus Christ. Momoko? Flowerleaf. That, this is her, this is her RP name. Wow. Anyway, I can't believe I actually stumbled upon the, the real RP. I What the fuck? I, what? I thought her name was Luna, but I've always... <laughs> wow. Anyway, this has been my book. Uh, follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Why a Book Podcast. Email us, whybookpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, don't follow us in real life like Nick Cage. <laughs> Are we following Nick Gage? No, he's following us. Oh, he's following us? Yeah, probably. Anyway, uh, get ready for My Hero Academia fanfiction next week. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, goodbye. Bye. We're going to go bother the cat. (laughs) Woo!